How many people can you really trust? Is there a limit to the number of people that you can trust? In this episode, I will answer this with a definite yes. But to answer the question, how many, I would have to say it's complicated. In this episode, I will uncomplicate things. I will explain what factors affect how many people you can trust and how much you can really trust them. This episode is a little philosophical, but would help you answer that question yourself. Because your answer is different than mine. The answer will be based on several laws of trust, on the fact that trust is relative and dynamic, on what you have to lose, on time and intimacy, and, believe it or not, the size of your brain. And yes, I will give you numbers. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? So how much can you trust people and with what can you trust them? So I'm going to start with the first law of trust. The trust is continuous. You see, you can trust more people with less or fewer people with more. You can't trust everyone with your life, but you can trust a lot of people with a $20 bill that they will return it to you. You can have a very high level of trust in five people and a very low level of trust in 200 people. How much do you trust all of your Facebook friends? And I don't know how many uh, do you have. So I'll remind you that trust is continuous and, and it's not that you trust someone or you don't. It's really a matter of how much and you trade how many people you can trust with the amount of trust that you can give in them. And I'll explain later why. The second law of trust, the trust is contextual, that brings the element of how many people do you trust to, let's say, serve you lunch at a restaurant? Probably a lot more people than the number of people that you can trust to fly an airplane, especially if you're sitting in that airplane, right? That's a much smaller number of people. You may not specifically know them. How many people do you trust to conduct surgery? I mean, have you ever checked the credentials and the experience and the knowledge of someone who's serving you lunch at the restaurant? But did you check reviews for a surgeon about to perform surgery on you? So again, it's continuous and it is contextual. And that dictates how many people you would trust at a certain level. The second component is, what do you have to lose for which you need trust? So I'll go back to my definition of trust. And trust, to me, that's my definition, is the level to which you are willing to accept the potential negative consequences of giving control over something you have to another person or another entity, expecting them to be able and do their best to avoid those negative consequences. 
So it really starts with how much risk are you in? What are the possible negative consequences of trusting people? So it, it really starts with how much do you have to lose? Now, it, it's not enough to look at this as an absolute number. How much do I have to lose? I can lose a million dollars. The question is, how much do you have in your bank? So how afraid are you of having or suffering that loss or of suffering those negative consequences? So, for example, uh, how much trust do you need to have in another person to lend them a $20 bill? I mean, the possible negative consequences is that they don't return it, right? Well, it's not the same for you and me. It's not the same for everyone. If all you have to your name is $1,000 in the bank, how much do you have to trust someone when you give them $20? By the way, how much do you need to trust them if all you have is those $20? But how much do you need to trust them if what you have is $10 million in your bank account? Not as much, because the risk is not as much, because the how much do you have to lose really depends on how much you have and that thing that you're going to lose, what part does it play in what you have? The bigger it is, obviously, the more you need to trust someone because the consequence to you is much higher. Now, if you're really afraid of flying, and, and believe it or not, with the fact that I'm a pilot, there was a period in my time when I was afraid of flying. And in fact, one of the reasons I took flying lessons was because I was afraid of flying. And I thought that would help me overcome it. Well, now I'm afraid of flying when I'm not the pilot. But that's besides the point. If you're afraid of flying, how many airlines or pilots do you trust? So, you know, there are people who fly those low-budget uh, those low budget airlines. And if you watch the, uh, the Smithsonian TV uh, show... Um, air disasters, you, you can see what can happen when you have an unqualified pilot or an unexperienced, inexperienced pilot. Those who are afraid of flying have a higher bar, not because they have more to lose than others, because really all you have to lose is your life, and everybody will lose their lives if the plane crashes. But some people are more afraid of that. So this is the translation of the actual risk, the objective risk, to your subjective uh, fear of that risk or that loss. So the how many people can you trust and how much do you need to trust them really depends on how much you have to lose. And the answer to that is subjective. It's your answer. And your answer is different than mine. Now, here's a tricky question. Who can you trust? So there's a folk story that uh, calls for a um, talks about this uh, religious person uh, who was in a flood and he was he climbed to the roof of his house and the waters kept rising and a neighbor came uh, came by with a canoe and and the neighbor said hey hop on my canoe I'll save you and that religious person said. No, 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 thank you. I trust God. God will protect me. God will save me. So the neighbor goes away, and then the police arrives with a boat. 
And they say, hey, come on in our boat. We'll, we'll save you. We'll take you to safety. And the religious man says, no, I'm, I'm not coming on your boat. I trust God. I believe in God. God will protect me. God will not let me die or drown. Then a rescue helicopter comes in. They drop a rope ladder and they say, come climb out on that rope because the water is rising. There's only a very small part of your roof that you can still stand on. And that religious man says, no, I'm, I'm not getting on that rope uh, or helicopter. I trust God. I believe in God. God will protect me. God will not let me drown. The helicopter goes away, the water keeps rising, and that religious man drowns. And as he comes to heaven, the doors of heaven, he demands to meet with God. And when he meets with God, he says, God, I trusted you. I believed in you. How did you let me die? And God says, I sent you a neighbor with a canoe. I sent you the police with a boat. I sent you a rescue helicopter. What else do you want from me? So who do we trust? Who do you trust? I categorize that as four types of, of things or people or entities. You trust God. You trust yourself. You trust other people. And you trust other things. And, and by things, I mean you, you do trust... Um, the airplane itself, and, and it's kind of a proxy. The airplane is a proxy for the company, its practices, the people who work in the company. So I'm not going to go too deep into, into that, but you trust God, yourself, other people, and things. Now, the total level of trust that you have is really the sum of the trust that you have in God and the trust that you have in yourself, plus the trust you have in other people and the trust that you have in other things. The total amount of trust really depends on the what you have to lose. That's what I talked about before. And how much it means to you or how much are you afraid of having that loss. The total is divided among these different types and, and numbers of people. So this is really your trustability in those different types. So, you know, we can look at God, yourself, other people, and, and other things, but we can look at the amount of trust that you have to split between pilots and restaurant uh, servers and, and other types of people. The total is the same. Again, it, it really depends on what you have to lose. It's a zero-sum game. Again, because it depends on what you have to lose, and that does not change. So, when your trust... In one type of those, one of those four types declines, you have to compensate for it by increasing the trust that you have in another type. So, for example, if you start losing your trust in people, and I'm going to say people in general, you may decide that you trust yourself more. You have to. You have to trust something because what you have to lose remains the same and how much you're afraid of it remains the same. So you may trust God more because you trust people less. You may trust God less because you trust people more. You may trust one type of people more and it causes you to trust another type of people less. Or because you trust one type of people less, you're going to trust another type of person more. So the total amount of trust that you have really depends on the risk you're in and how much you're afraid of it, which is subjective. The risk is objective. And the total is split between how much do you trust God, yourself, other people, and other things. 
And that's different for every person. And even within people, it's different types of people and, and specific people. If you have a very a person that you can trust with your life, and there's only one person that you trust with your life, and that person betrays you, you must complement that loss of trust with trusting someone else. Maybe it's God, maybe it's yourself, maybe it's another person. It's a zero-sum game. I told you in the introduction that I'll talk about the size of your brain. And I wasn't kidding. There was a British anthropologist and uh, an evolutionary psychologist by the name of Robin Dunbar. And Robin Dunbar wrote a few articles, did a lot of research, and he correlated. Now, he didn't just look at people. He looked at other mammals. And he correlated the volume of their neocortex, a part of the brain of the different species, to their social group size. And he actually developed a formula, an equation that I sometimes use in my workshops. And what he found was that based on our volume of our neocortex, our being humans, we have 150 what he calls casual friends. Now, uh, beyond that number, uh, you know, they're no longer friends uh, or friends per se, uh, but they can be acquaintances, they can be less. I mean, really, how many friends do you have on Facebook? Do you really call them friends? I mean, I have friends on Facebook that I probably, if I see them in the street, I wouldn't know who they are, but but they're friends on Facebook. So it's, it's a lower level of acquaintance and therefore a lower level of trust. The bigger that group is, the less you can trust every individual in that group. And I'll explain in the next segment why. How many people can you trust with your life? Can you really say that you can trust all of your friends, all of your Facebook friends with your life? Probably not. So why are you limited in how many people you can trust with your life? That's in the next segment. I'll start with the question I just finished with. Why is it limited? Why is the amount of trust limited or the number of people is limited? So I want to remind you first that trust is dynamic. And uh, that's the uh, seventh law of trust. It's built not only on who you are, which is your competence, personality, compatibility, and symmetry, but also on what you do, the interactions between two people that start with the positivity and then time and intimacy. Now, positivity is the starting point. I mean, if this other person that you're considering trusting is negative, and and that's a subjective thing, you know, they're negative in your eyes. This might be positive in somebody else's eyes. And uh, if you listen to this... uh, a podcast from the beginning, you, you may remember the story with the two students sitting in my classroom, one of them giving me a five-star review on Rate My Professors, another one giving me a one-star review. And that's because trust is personal. That's the third law of trust. So positivity, positivity is the starting point and it's only in your eyes. Okay, so you look at another person, their contribution during an interaction with you is positive. But now time 
and intimacy accelerate the building of trust. So even if that other person's um, interaction with you is positive, if there's not a lot of interaction, not a lot of time that you spend together, not very frequently, then that positivity is not going to accelerate into trust very quickly. And now it brings us down to how much time do you have? To How much time can you dedicate to turn as many people as possible to people that you can trust? I mean, you have to spend time with them to be able to trust them. And that goes back into the whole essence of the time element, time and frequency, and, and also we might say predictability. But specifically time. It takes a certain amount of time to be great at something. It takes a certain amount of time for me to be trusted by you. But you have to spend that time. And you don't have that time to spend with every person or, or every friend that you have on Facebook. So you are limited. The amount of time that you have is limited. And therefore, the people you spend more time with, you tend to trust more because their positivity gets accelerated faster. Intimacy is the same thing. If your interaction with another person is only through text or email, it's going to take much longer to build that trust than if your interaction with them was very intimate. And by intimate, I mean in-person, face-to-face. Not, not just Zoom, in-person, face-to-face. And more important, or not, not less important, one-on-one. I'm not talking, you don't build a lot of trust in a Zoom call with uh, 45 people. You build trust faster in one-on-one. So it goes back to time, but uh, also intimacy. So you're limited by the amount of time. You are limited by the intimacy that you can share. And because of that, you are limited by how many people will you allow to be trusted by you. Okay, I don't think that you're going to let me off the hook if I don't actually give you numbers. So how many people? So you already know what affects how many people and why the number is limited and and that it really depends on how much trust you must have in them because the lower the level of trust, the the more you can have, the, the more people you can trust at the lower level. Did you ever think about why an elite military unit take, for example, the Navy SEALs? only operate in a very small group of four or five. Those are people that they spend a lot of time with. Those are people that if one of them is not considered positive, they're not going to be on their that team for long. So you got people that you subjectively consider positive. And it doesn't matter if other people don't. It, what matters is you and your small team. You spend a lot of time with them. And at a very high level of intimacy, because I'll tell you something, going downrange in Afghanistan or any other war zone is as intimate as it gets. So the small, the high trust military unit, an elite military unit is about four or five. Now, there is a squad, which is 15. So you trust your squad members more than you trust your platoon members. This is why platoons are about the size of 50. Uh, A company is about the size of 150. A battalion, 500. An army division is 1,500 soldiers. So how much do you trust any soldier 
in the army division? Well, it depends. If they're in your battalion, more, because there are only 500 of them. If they're in your company, even more, 150. If they're in your platoon, 50. In, their, in, in your squad, 15. If they're in your small team, that's how you trust them. That's who you trust the most. This is who you trust really with your life. So is the number five. I actually reviewed articles about the ideal size of a team. And it's not specifically a military team or, or anything else. And oddly enough, in those articles that I read, they never considered trust as a determining factor. I do. And they were talking about teams mainly in the business setting. And so they said that the numbers or the articles that I read kind of gave a common wisdom range of between 5 and 12. Here, we just narrowed it down, 5 to 12. Actually, one article stated that the best number is 4.6. You know, you need to have 4.6 people in your team. That's the ideal size, which obviously is not feasible. My personal experience is that the optimal size for a high-trust, high-performance team would be about 5. Some would say 5 to 8. I would say 5. So... Again, I don't want you to take this number five and say, I only trust five people. Five people would be the number that you can have at the highest level of trust for all the reasons that I described before. But at the lower level of trust, you can have more than five, way more than five, but at a much lower level. The bottom line, you have a limited amount of trust to spread around. It depends on how much risk you're in, that's objective, what do you have to lose, how afraid are you of losing it, that's subjective. It also depends on the size of your brain, but you know, we're going to assume that we all have just about the same brain size, which is arguable. Trust is spread among God, yourself, other people, and things. It is a zero-sum game so the total amount is fixed and it starts changing between the different types. So the, the more you start trusting one type, the less you can trust the others and vice versa. The amount of trust that you have in a specific type of a person or, or even God or yourself is what we would call trustability. And remember that the eighth law, eighth law of trust says that the level of trust that I have in you is the product of my trustability, my willingness to trust people in general or your type of people, whether it's pilots or doctors or, or anything in particular, and your trustworthiness. And you can't do anything about my trustability. To trust someone, you must spend time and intimacy with them that's what accelerates trust. But because you're limited in how much time and how much intimacy you can spend with too many people, that's what limits the higher level of trust that you have in, in people to fewer people. Because the higher level of trust that you need to compensate for whatever objective risk and subjective fear that you have, the smaller number of people you can trust at that level. Thank you for listening. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? 
Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it, write a review for this podcast, because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops at yoramsolomon.com workshops, online courses at trustedatwork.com, find my books on Amazon, or go to my website, yoramsolomon.com. And remember one thing, the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.